Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Friend Radio. I, I did this shit because I... T- turn it up a little bit. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta block. Yo, 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 ay. I might go fuck up these bands, ay. I do this shit cause I can, yeah. I just took care of my fam, ay. Thought this was always the plan, yeah. I might go fly to Japan, ay. Dark Fringe Radio. Your host, Will Martinez, here with you tonight. Thanks for joining in on the podcast. And uh, we got a very interesting podcast for you tonight. I'm going to have my partners on the line here with me, as always. Jake Losey, start with you. What's going on, brother? How are you doing, my friend? Very good, very good, man. And, uh, of course, Gab. Gab, you're on the line with us? I am. How's everybody doing? Very good, very good. Uh, very happy that we're all together here and uh, doing this thing. But um, listen, we have a really good, uh, interesting podcast tonight, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, haunted asylums. We're going to be talking about different asylums uh, throughout the U.S. and uh, kind of get into that uh, here momentarily. We've got to go through the intro and some news first, and we'll go ahead and do that. First thing I wanted to do, of course, uh, bring up the social media stuff up again, as always. Uh, again, you can reach us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All our social media is there. Um, you can see all our stuff that we post on a daily basis. Uh, please like and share all that stuff if you could, please. Uh, that just helps us out and uh, spreads the word. So if you could do that, I'd certainly appreciate it. And don't forget on the iTunes side, um, you can catch our show there and also on um, Google Play. So if you go on iTunes and uh, check us out there, please subscribe, like, leave a comment. Please favorable comment, five-star rating if you could. Uh, that helps out the podcast tremendously. Um, that I can't even put into words how important that is. So if you could do that for us, that'd be great. Again, with Google Play, the same deal. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. And if you don't have any of those two type of devices and you're listening maybe to like on a laptop or a tablet, very simple. You can just go to your SoundCloud. Uh, just go to SoundCloud.com, look up Dark Fringe Radio, and every single one of our episodes are on there too. So uh, those are the two avenues. You can check that out. And uh, let's see here. That's pretty much it for the social media. Also, I um, just wanted to remind everybody, if you guys have any kind of suggestions for guests, uh, or uh, if you have any uh, email suggestions, anything at all, please send it to thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com. So uh, that's the social media. That's the email. That's how to listen to the podcast. Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention before we get into the news uh, was some, a couple shout-outs. Uh, first off, I wanted to give um, Jeff Ward a shout-out on Instagram. Uh, he's been a pretty big proponent of um, our podcast and sharing and liking all our stuff. So I want to give a big thank you and uh, big ups to uh, uh, Jeff Ward. And uh, also another one uh, I wanted to give a little bit of a shout-out to was uh, the Holmes family in Hagerstown, Maryland. 
Um, I actually corresponded back and forth uh, with them uh, via Facebook and um, very nice people. And uh, they're fans of the the uh, podcast and uh, they listen. So wanted to say thank you and a big shout out to them as well. And uh, Stephanie Snyder for last week for coming on the show and uh, talking about her mediumistic type of, uh, you know, revelation she had just recently and, you know, all the things that she went through in her, her life. So very interesting uh, guest and we'll probably have her on again in the future, most likely. Uh, and again, um, to her group, the New Beginnings Paranormal, check that out on Facebook. Uh, they're just starting their stuff up now um, currently. So uh, right now it's only on Facebook. Just look up New Beginnings Paranormal. So uh, well, that's it for the intro. Um, we'll get into some news. How about that, guys? Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. For 15 years, I've been trying to teach you how to write a lead. Do I have to do everything myself? Get the story? Write the story? No. We'll do it live! Fuck it! I was looking at the James Brown wig. Fucking thing sucks! That's your kind of thing, Maria. You love doing it yourself. Sometimes, yeah. I, I can. Take <laughs> Confucius, eh? I do not think this story had much validity. <laughs> All right. Well, let's step into it uh, first, head first. Um, Gab, I kind of wanted to change things up a little bit, and uh, I wanted to kind of give you the floor first about uh, maybe some news that's happened uh, just recently. What, what did you have? Um, I know you mentioned something to me earlier. Oh, yeah. So they say uh, death happens in threes, and uh, it really did this week. So on April 14th, uh, Art Bell passed away. He was 72 years old. He died in his home. Uh, the cause of death is still unclear. I mean, this is a guy that's been entertaining and frightening listeners with his horror and paranormal talk radio show for years. And uh, whether you loved or you hated him, you know, you definitely can't deny the impact that he had on the industry. Absolutely. And then on April 15th. Just to pause real quick uh, there, if you don't mind. We yeah. had our. Yeah, just to pause real quick there, Gab. He was the reason why, one of the reasons I, I should say that I started this podcast be quite honest with you. I remember listening to him as a teenager um, and, um, you know, listening to a show on AM radio. I came on AM radio here in Florida. Uh, and uh, I used to listen to his show all the time, you know, still do. And he was the reason why I started the, this podcast because, you know, all the things that he used to talk about was just so fascinating. And um, I wanted to do the same thing because I thought he just did such a great job at doing it. So, um, yeah, that was just my little tidbit. I'm sorry there. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I mean, he definitely influenced me, too, with a lot of the things that I got into. So it was kind of sad, you know, definitely uh, rest in peace to him. And uh, on the 15th, the very next day, uh, Arlie Emery passed away. I mean, we all know him from Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in Full Metal Jacket. Absolutely. Oh, so that was, uh, was kind of sad. You know, very sad. The horror community knows him as uh, Sergeant Hoyt from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah, the evil Sergeant Hoyt, who is not really a sergeant, but yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, oh sheriff. Yeah, I'm thinking of sergeant. He was actually a real life sergeant in the Marine Corps. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. I did know that. Complications um, and pneumonia. Wow, it's it's amazing that people die from pneumonia still to this day. It just boggles my mind. Jay, you were to say something. I was actually introduced to him because he used to do a show on the history channel where it was called mail call and he, it was like all, all about like military power and uh and he would go through and get test out different uh weapons so i didn't realize when i was first watching it that it was the same guy that scared the shit out of me in texas chainsaw massacre but i was definitely <laughs> affected when i heard he passed away i didn't know the name but i knew the face uh i know you mentioned it to me earlier jay but uh, absolutely and there was another one gab too right 
Oh, yeah. And then on the 16th, the very next day, uh, Harry Anderson, Judge Harry T. Stone on Night Court. Absolutely. Found dead at 65. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, really sad. Um, I remember late nights watching Night Court. I mean, that was like one of the funniest shows that I used to watch as a kid. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great by any you know stretch of the imagination, but it was decent. And it had John Lorquet on there, so he was pretty funny. And, you know, they had him on there as well. So, uh, yeah, that's where I remember him from. And then, of course, he was in the It movie. So, uh, but, yeah, very sad. And uh, oh, yeah. rest in peace to those people. Unbelievable. Three in a row. Three in a row. Three days in a row. It's really sad. Yeah, very sad. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, Gap, for uh, mentioning that. And um, I wanted to kind of uh, jump into a story here myself. Um, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but China is actually um, moving to – it's kind of weird to even think about that this is even happening in a, in a country as such as big as China. But it's basically – China moves is, is, is moving to like rated citizens by trustworthiness, almost like a credit report rating, but just by trustworthiness. And so the government plans to launch a social credit system in 2020. Uh, and the aim is to judge the trustworthiness of its citizens, which is kind of weird because I don't know, man. This is like some uh, black mirror kind of stuff that uh, is happening in China. And so the uh, there was a document that was posted or that was actually published in June 14th of 2014 that the State Council of China published called the Planning Outline for the Construction of Social Credit System. And it's a way for the Chinese policy um, or Chinese um, government to rate their citizens on trustworthiness. Now, that would go on to as far as like if they are paying you know, their bills on time, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, just imagine a, a world where your daily activities were constantly being monitored and evaluated. So, for instance, if I ran to somebody in the street and they dropped 100 bucks, there would be a camera looking at me, showing, like looking at me, seeing me look at this $100 that this person dropped – and if I didn't pick up that $100 and give it to that, back to that person, they would drop my trustworthy rating. And um, then thus affecting that person not being able to get certain things or maybe do certain things um, in, the, in, in, in the government. Just like that episode of Black Mirror where people were doing the same exact thing. There was a, a very famous episode of one of those things. It's, it's the same thing. Uh, just people just rating each other with their trustworthiness, and it was more so people doing it to each other in, in the, that episode. But this is more toward you know towards the government actually doing it. So um, it, it's just uh, another way that I think you know Big Brother is looming its ugly head on um, you know on its people. I mean, what do you what do you think, Jay? I mean, it's kind of kind of a double edged sword to it. If you again, like I've said a million times, if you got really nothing to hide, maybe it'll only benefit a few things, but. I don't think government really should be sticking its its hands in our pockets, so to speak, where they're they're always trying to to micromanage us, and they're trying to force us to be good citizens. Now we should want to be good citizens because that's how society will grow and continue to advance, and we'll all finally find that harmonious situation that we're looking for. But governments at this point are trying to almost force us into it, and. If we're like children and they're like the parents, we're going to do exactly what children do. When you over-discipline, we're going to rebel, and it's going to have the adverse effect that it wants. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. And just uh, speaking on the um, what you were just talking about, it you know being voluntary or just being pushed upon the people, right now it's voluntary in, in China. So right now they can volunteer to adapt to the system currently, uh, but by 2020 it will be mandatory. It will be mandatory by the government. And the behavior of every single citizen and legal person in China will be rated and ranked whether they like it or not. So they have no choice in this um, whatsoever. 
the government is uh, taking uh, a watch and learn approach at this point, and um, they say this is going to be fully rolled out by that that year. So they only have two more years before this is a fully, uh, you know, uh, put in plan in place. And again, I don't, I don't know, man. I think this is just going to add more issues, more problems to the, what we already have. Uh, Gad, let me have a woman's perspective. What do you have to say about this? I think it's really scary, you know, and I kind of agree with Jay, you know, I don't feel the government should be, you know, butting into our personal business. If this ever makes its way over to the United States, I'm seriously fucked. I'm fucked. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what is going to happen? So what happens when you get like a bad rating? Like, is there consequences? Well, yeah. Um, basically, what they're saying is is that if your rating isn't up to par, you won't be able to do certain things. For instance, this. Um, if your trust, trustworthy rating is so low and so poor, you may not even be able to fly out of the country. You, you may not be able to buy a plane ticket to get out of the country. So there you go. I mean, that's that's where it's affecting people. So if they're doing it to that extent, God knows what else they're going to be doing it for. You know what I mean? So just another example. Right. Yeah, just another example of just government over-governing, unfortunately, I, I think. And uh, China, you have to remember, it is sort of kind of like a communist country as well still, you know, even though it's so big. Uh, it's just it just boggles up my mind that we're, you know, getting into something like this. Anyways, uh, that's it for that. Uh, Jay, what do you have on your side? Do you remember the 80s actors, the Corys, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman? Absolutely. So we all know Corey Haim, unfortunately, passed away quite a while back. But Corey Feldman is saying uh, he could be dead in just a few months. Did you hear that he was recently stabbed? Yeah, I did hear that. So for those who don't know, he was sitting in his car. Uh, A man tried to open up and unlock his door, eventually got open, stabbed him with something, and then walked away. He believes it could have been a hypodermic needle. Um, Feldman believes that. Uh, he was stabbed by a hypodermic needle. It could have been poisoned. Uh, he said it was a jarring incident, and to think that it's possible that he could d- be dead in a few months. He believes that a group that calls itself the Wolf Pack, uh, which has been harassing him for some time, has attacked him because of the sexual abuse claims that he's been that he's been lodging. Uh, even trying, even going to the LAPD and trying to get them to do something about the the person that, who abused him when he was 15. Unfortunately. The statute of limitations is up, uh, but this particular group, the Wolf Pack, uh, apparently is terrorizing him. They've got him quite scared, uh, and he's not the only one. There's a lot of people, um, he says, that they're targeting. He's gone on a whole bunch of talk shows to talk about the sexual abuse, um, to talk about what he's gone through. And because he was such good friends with Michael Jackson, everybody wants to automatically assume that it was Michael Jackson. Uh, but it wasn't. He said that Michael Jackson never did anything to him. But uh, crazy, you know, just to think that he was just sitting there in his car and some guy comes up and opens the door, stabs him and walks away like nothing happened. Yeah. And this has been an ongoing thing with him, you know, especially uh, exposing the uh, Hollywood uh, pedophilia ring that's happening um, and it's still currently happening in the, in the Hollywood circles. Um, you know, we all hear about this stuff all the time. And, you know, we just kind of like kind of put it in the back of our mind because we don't live in that world. You know, most of us don't live in the Hollywood world. Most of us live in our normal world. You know, we go to work, we, you know, we go home, we eat, you know, we sleep and go back to work and do the same thing over and over again. The Hollywood world is a completely different world. And, um, you know, since it's out of sight and it's kind of out of mind for most people, just like you and me. And unfortunately, this guy, you know, you see him in the news and you can tell that he's completely messed up. You know, whatever it was that he definitely went through in his childhood 
it wasn't good. Whatever it was that he experienced wasn't good. So, uh, yeah, there, this happens. And, you know, there might be people out there that are trying to get him. You know, there might be. You know, he may not be as paranoid as people may think. You know, there is a little bit of truth to that. So, I don't know. Uh, I think the jury is still out. What do you have to say, Gab? You know, I I believe him. I really do. I know he's trying to, like, burn out on drugs and stuff. But I really don't believe what he's saying is that far-fetched. I think some really dark, twisted shit goes on in Hollywood. And um, he's he's been talking about this faithfully for a while now. And I, I wouldn't put it past them. I think they – I think – there is somebody after him, probably. Yeah, very, very, very uh, well, maybe. Uh, I think that's the case. So, yeah, uh, that's an interesting article. Anything else on that, Jay? There, there was really nothing much to else to that particular article. What I found, what I, what I found about it, though, is just that he's coming out and trying to be truthful, and these people trying to silence him just for him exercising his freedom of speech and wanting to get some kind of justice. Which, because statute of limitations on that is, which is crazy. There's a statute of limitations on you know, sexually abusing a 15-year-old. Uh, either way, uh, it's a crazy story, and, you know, I hope for the world's benefit that Corey Feldman remains alive. Yeah, I think uh, I think everybody feels that same way. And, um, you know, just be careful when you, you, you think about getting your children into Hollywood and, and stuff like that. You know, everybody has those, those things that were like, oh, you know, my child would be an actor, this and that, you know. You know, be be careful what you wish for because that that may not be a world you want your child to be you know growing up in. So, uh, all right, well that uh, that's that. Um, let's jump on to the next one. Has anybody heard in the last two weeks? But Conor McGregor, I'm not sure. Gabby, you probably are familiar with this guy, but this guy is an MMA fighter and he went completely ape shit. And when I mean completely ape shit, he went completely ape shit. So this guy, his name is Conor McGregor. He's an MMA fighter. And uh, very popular. I mean, he was able to you know cross over to the boxing arena uh, world, and uh, he actually fought Floyd May- Mayweather and made millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, this guy made $60 million, I think, in that fight alone. So the guy is loaded. He basically cost himself millions with this meltdown that he had at the Barclays Center in New York. So what happened was, was that the uh, UFC was having an event at the Barclays Center about two weeks ago. And what happened was Conor McGregor shows up because... One of his teammates was being bullied by another uh, teammate from another, uh, you know, faction of people. And so long story short, he basically makes his way into the loading dock area where the buses are taking off with the fighters, starts throwing trash cans, dollies through the window of the bus, hurting and injuring really horribly. One of the other fighters he got glass in his eye. He has a, like, uh, I think it's a severed cornea. Another guy got glass. Uh, embedded in his face and a lot of people were just shook up about this uh, one guy got hit by a dolly the one that he threw um, so you know all of a sudden this guy goes absolutely ape shit and then has to turn himself into the police afterwards and gets booked and then bonded out and you know you have a situation here where you're having a fighter who's actually getting into trouble in real life for taking the fight a little bit too seriously I mean, I know fighting is it's very personal, but when you take it to that level, that's the that's not the level of professionalism anymore. You that's gone out the window at that point. So, Jay, what do you have to say about this? Well, I, I for me personally, I do know that while Conor McGregor is a notorious hothead, um, he's also if you see some of the the video before, he's fucking Irish. Um, well, yeah, he was he was down there. I think they were. They, I think first off, 
if you watch the videos, it does kind of have a WWE Monday Night Raw kind of feel to it. Not that I believe it's staged. Um, but he was kind of – they were being antagonized. And while he took, he definitely took it too far by uh, throwing a dolly at the bus window, I don't think he cost himself millions of dollars. I think he went too far. Um, you know, he definitely needs to be on probation. But the issue is that he currently doesn't have a contract with the UFC, and his championship belt is now being held by somebody else who wants it, who won it almost on a uh, in interim basis until they can figure out what they're going to do with Conor McGregor, which almost means really what's going to happen is if they can come to a deal with UFC and Conor McGregor, he's going to come back and fight. He's going to fight for the belt with this uh, this Russian um, who this, this guy could be. is a monster. He's an absolute beast. And, uh, and they're going to end up having a huge fight, and he's going to make millions. What sucks is the UFC has now suffered because some of those fighters who were supposed to fight that night couldn't fight that night, and up changing up the, a, a lot of the bill um, that they had already sold to pay-per-view customers and people in the building. And Conor McGregor didn't take any of that into account in the heat of the moment. Those things do happen, but uh, it's a shame to see it go that way. But what I think is ultimately going to happen is the two will be in, in uh, one of these super UFC matches. It's going to be a great fight. Uh, and I don't think it's going to really affect Conor McGregor one way or the other. I, I actually think it is. Um, and the reason why is because I think the civil lawsuits are going to be astronomical. If that guy can never fight again because of his, of his detached cornea, I don't know, man. That's a hell of a civil lawsuit, man. And we're talking about millions of millions of dollars. So he may have to take that fight because he may need that money. Uh, because he, you know, yeah, thirty million. But if you're being sued by four or five different people, not only by them but by the UFC as well, because they lost revenue share for losing losing those three other fights. I don't know, man. It doesn't sound very good. It sounds like the UFC may own him now at this point. So time will have to tell. Uh, Gab, you have any insight in any of this? Um, was he under the influence of anything when this happened? <laughs> it's at funny. all. It's funny you ask. Uh, even Dana White, who was the president of the UFC, said that you know. What the fuck is wrong with you? Are you on cocaine or something? <laughs> because that's the only thing that you could, you know, blame it on. I mean, only people like jacked up on cocaine would do something like that. Actually, I have a little clip here I want to play. Hold on. This is the most disgusting thing that has ever happened in the history of the company. Conor McGregor, the most recognizable face in the UFC, was charged with multiple counts of assault after, get this, hurling objects at a bus in the bowels of Barclay Center, injuring some of the other fighters inside. We're here with John Morgan, who was at the media event being held at Barclays, to learn more. All right, John, walk us through what made Conor do this. Basically, it stems from Artem Lobov, who was a teammate of Conor McGregor and, and, and one of his best friends, basically, uh, who's had a long-standing feud uh, with Habib Nurmagomedov, one of the top contenders and potentially a future opponent for, for Conor McGregor at some point. But uh, earlier this week, man, that kind of long-standing rivalry kind of came to a head. They had a little bit of a, of a, uh, you know, interaction inside the uh, the, the host hotel here in Brooklyn, and uh, basically a lot of Habib Nurmagomedov's team surrounded Artem Lobov and was like, "Listen, you know, don't 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 bring us up anymore. You know, keep our name out of your mouth." Uh, Artem was, uh, you know, kind of by himself at the time. There was a big group, so he felt a little bit intimidated. He couldn't really respond. Um, and, and it seems like you know this was the basically the reaction to that is for for uh, for Conor McGregor to get a group of people as well 
and to basically go after Habib Nurmagomedov and show him that, you know, that kind of show of force was going to be met with something similar. What's next for McGregor? Will he face any jail time? I don't know. Now, again, you know, I'm a, I'm a mixed martial arts journalist. I'm not going to pretend that I'm some type of legal expert. But, I mean, listen, you did have two fighters that received physical harm. So, I mean, I, I imagine that falls under assault, right? I mean, the, the breaking glass, um, you know, did, did cause some cuts. And I got to think there'll be some financial penalties for that. I mean, think about the purses that they were scheduled to make that they can't make anymore. You know, they spent money on training camp. They were ready to come in and make a paycheck and they, and they won't get that paycheck now. So, you know, I think there's there will definitely be some civil liabilities as far as actual jail time. I, I don't know. It, it seems a bit much. Last question. Do you think Connor fights again in the UFC? Is this, is the, the next step is a little bit unclear right now. I mean, the UFC, you know, UFC President Dana White officials, they say, listen, we're going to let the legal process play out first, which definitely makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, you've got the police department here involved. They're going to have things. You're going to have lawsuits. You're going to let all that stuff play out. The tough thing is, let's be honest, he's the biggest star in the sport. He's the UFC's biggest star. I mean, it would be amazing for the UFC to say, you know what, we're, we're not standing for this. We're, you know, we're standing up and we're saying, Conor McGregor, we're done with you. This was over the line. But they can't do that. There's too many millions of dollars involved. This guy's the biggest star in the sport. Now, I'm sure this will impact, you know, his drawing ability. You know, even USC President Dana White said, listen, uh, people are going to turn on him after this. And I think that's definitely true. But the guy's a superstar. The guy is a superstar. And we see that, that superstars don't always get treated the same as the common man on the street. So, you know, I think there's going to be some legal repercussions. There's certainly going to be some financial repercussions. Um, but as it stands now, I'm sure we'll probably see him fight again one day in the UFC. So, yeah, pretty interesting stuff, man. Uh, looks like this guy is going to have a interesting future here in the next 12 months. But uh, we'll have to see. Jay, what do you have on your menu there? Uh, so my next story, to lighten the mood a little bit, uh, have you heard about the Target employee that got fired and what he was doing? No. Please tell me. Uh, Target fires a employee who was hiding neo-Nazi messages in diaper boxes. <laughs> neo-nazi messages in diaper boxes huh yep yep so uh target fired an employee who was flipping cards featuring white supremacist slogans into boxes of diapers sold at store laminated cards with the words it's okay to be white appeared inside of boxes uh that were purchased <laughs> from a particular target and delivered to their home uh after launching investigation turned into uh an and urgently addressed the situation. Target has now found the person responsible and fired them. Uh, they have said that they sincerely apologize. Any guests who have re received the inappropriate messages in their Target purchases uh, and thank them for calling it to their attention, it, what he did was he would take little laminated white cards that says it's okay to be white and slide them uh, underneath the tape so as people were opening up their, uh, their box of diapers, the first thing that they saw was, a thing that said it's okay to be white. <laughs> well, hey, listen, uh, I, I give him an A for an effort, but uh, unfortunately, it's the wrong message. Yeah, that was definitely the wrong message. Uh, I give him an A for creativity. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I, I don't agree with what he's doing or, or what he's trying to spread, but I mean, if you think about it, it's a really good way to to spread positivity. If you wanted to put a, a good spin on it, like. Uh, Hey, smile, it's a good day, or, you know, someone on those lines, that'd be cool, but it's okay to be white. I mean, that's a bit much. <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. And inside uh, pamper boxes, you know, really, 
I don't know. I just don't see how I but hey, listen, to each his own. Uh but uh yeah, A for effort, uh F for uh the subject matter. So definitely there on that one. Uh how about you, Gab? What do you have to say about this? It's just uh kind of a real shitty thing to do. Uh no pun intended with diapers. <laughs> All pun intended. Never back off the pun, Gab. No, Never not, back off the pun. That was a beautiful pun. Not here at Dark Fringe Radio, my friends. No, we are all puns here. Absolutely. So, uh, okay. Well, uh, looks like that was a, a loaded uh, uh, story there uh, by Jay. So uh, I appreciate that. And uh, the one last one. For- I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad Target definitely absorbed all the blame on that. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, everybody's on Facebook these days, right? Pretty much. I mean... Everybody. In their well, mind. according to my daughter, according to my daughter, it's for old people. But yeah, most of us are there. Yeah, most of us are there. Well, if you have lived under a rock the last two weeks, you would know that Mark Zuckerberg, of course, the, uh, the creator of Facebook, was grilled on Washington. Basically, had to give testimony regarding you know uh, the Cambridge Analytica uh, scandal that uh, plagued uh, Facebook probably about a month prior to that. Uh, for those that don't know, the Cambridge Analytica issue was that that company uh, actually paid Facebook money for information regarding its users. And it would use like uh, kind of like, um, you know how you would go on Facebook and you would like say uh, you would like give a vote on something if you would do this, this or that. And then, you know, you would put your information there, so on and so forth. You know, stupid, goofy things that people do on Facebook. So they were collecting that information, that data uh, from people. They did it over, I think, to the tune of 50 million people. Uh, which is a shitload of people. And, you know, that information was used and shared by companies. And, of course, that was the reason why he was brought to Capitol Hill and uh, questioned regarding all these things that are happening in Facebook. Funny thing is, is I don't really see a lot of people exiting Facebook because of this. Um, I think people are kind of like it doesn't matter to them, even though their their uh, data is being collected, you know, their information is being shared. It's just it goes to show you that even though we talk about protecting our privacy, most people really don't care, and it's it's kind of scary to think that. And um, you know, there was a the Washington Post did a great article about fact checking. You know, his testimony, and uh, I'm going to go through a couple things here right now, so that way you guys can listen, and then you can give me your opinions afterwards. Here, hold on one second. I realize the issues we're talking about today aren't just issues for Facebook and our community; they're issues and challenges for all of us as Americans. Oh, by the way, he had a booster seat like in his chair. Like it was like a booster thing in his chair to make him sit upright. I thought that was the most oddest thing in the world. But anyways, thank you for having me here today. And I'm ready to take your questions. All right, here we go. So these are the questions that we have here for. We have a download your information tool. We've had it for years. You can go to it in your settings and download all of the content that you have on Facebook. So that was wrong. That's completely inaccurate. You can download your information, but not all the data uh, Facebook has collected. So, yes, you can. It's just not all the data is collected. One second. Congresswoman, all the data that you put in, all the content that you share on Facebook is yours. You control how it's used. You can remove it at any time. You can get rid of your account and get rid of all of it at once. In the- so that was wrong. Uh, again, uh, Facebook uh, keeps all that information and uh, uses that information to target ads and has a license to use all posted content and keeps data f- used for security purposes. And I know that people out there know what the fuck I'm talking about when I mean by this. Have you ever, like, hmm, gone on your phone and say, for instance, oh, I wanted to get a fucking lamp for my living room, right? You go there and you start looking for lamps. And then next thing you know, you go on your Facebook and there's lamps, like ads popping up all over the place. Has that happened to you, Gab? 
Oh, yeah. That's why I uh, deleted my Facebook. Yeah, that's exactly It just started getting really creepy. It's creepy. All you do is, I listen, I, I literally, a month ago, I bought a, I was looking for a speed bag to put in my garage. Literally looking for a speed bag on Google. Next thing I know, on Facebook, there are tons of ads for speed bags and boxing gloves and this and that. Everything associated with it. So, yes, they're getting into all of your personal information. They're reading your text. They can record your phone calls because when you give Facebook access to use your microphone, you give them access to take your phone calls as well, believe it or not. So, last one here. Hold on. All of it at once. In the, the Kogan case, people signed into that app expecting to share the data with Kogan. And then he turned around and in violation of our policies and in violation of people's expectations, so what he's talking about there is this Kogan app. It's an app that a lot of people use to um, kind of get around this, you know, uh, Facebook taking in your information. But what happened instead, the information was taken and used anyway. <laughs> so, you know, that was what the Kogan thing he's talking about here. And it was completely false. Sold it to a third party firm. It's been admitted by Facebook that you do collect data points on non-average users. So my question is, can someone who does not have a Facebook account opt out of Facebook's involuntary data collection. Congressman, anyone can turn off and, and opt out of any data collection for ads, whether they use our services or not. That was wrong as well. Um, it's really fucked up, but in order for non-users to delete their data, they actually have to create a Facebook profile, which then defeats the purpose. <laughs> so even you, Gab. A lady like yourself, a, a woman, self-respecting woman like yourself, who deleted their Facebook to get away from that, your data is still being collected by Facebook, no matter what. Very, very interesting. So, uh, Jay, what do you have to say? You know, my wife and I were just having a conversation just the other day. We were watching some uh, UFC fights, uh, like on demand, some old ones. And I was watching one of Tony Ferguson. And as I was watching him, I'm looking, I'm thinking to myself, damn, he kind of looks like Sloth from the Goonies a little bit. And my wife sits down next to me, and I kind of rewind it so she can see where, and I pull up the picture of Sloth. And or actually, before I picked up the pull, pull up the picture of Sloth, I was like, look, doesn't this kind of look like Sloth? And we had a conversation about it. A few minutes later, I picked up my phone and I flopped to, to Facebook, and the very top thing is the unfortunate life of the actor behind from the Goonies. I was like, huh. huh. How about that? They're listening to you, Jay. Well, I mean, that's why I'm on the podcast because everybody should listen to me. Well, yeah, listen, that's that's different. But, yeah, no, it, it, it's an invasion of privacy. It, it truly is. I mean, you can't do anything anymore without some app or some company tracking it and using it to their advantage to sell to a third party. And it, it's sad. It's sad that we live in that world now. And it's sad that we give up that freedom just so that we can scroll through Facebook. And, um, you know, I'm not saying for people to go ahead and exit Facebook like Gab did. Um, that's her prerogative, and I totally respect that. Matter of fact, I wish I could just keep my Dark Fringe radio page and get rid of my personal page because that's where I actually, you know, post most of my stuff anyway. Jay, you are 100% witness to that. So, yeah, listen, I again, this is an invasion of privacy, and I think Americans need to really wake up and, and look at this and realize what's what's really going on. So anything else for uh, UJ tonight? That was it for me. That's all my news. Okay, very good. So listen, that, uh, that brings uh, the conclusion to uh, the news for this week. We're going to be jumping into Gab's horror movie and review here in a second, so just stick around. 
is this irresistible creature who has an insatiable love for the dead? All right, and welcome to Gab's Horror Movie News and Review with the most hostess with Moses, the lovely Gab. Gab, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing much. How are you doing? Very good, very good. So uh, excited to have you on the podcast this week. And uh, what are we going to be reviewing this week? Well, I decided to keep in the theme of the evening with Asylums, and I decided to review Session Nine by Brad Anderson. Okay, well, listen, give us a give us a, a review. Talk about it. Who stars in this movie? David Caruso, who in itself he is scary in this movie you mean ginger david caruso i feel like yes ginger david caruso that's what's so scary about him <laughs> never, he's like my second scariest ginger uh never trust a ginger that's that's a it's a rule that i've always lived by <laughs> it's always served me well they have no soul they have no soul they have no soul <laughs> oh, all right no soul no soul all right well uh, give us a rundown <laughs> tell us what's the movie about well, um, basically, it's about a group of workers who are working to remove asbestos and abandon a mental asylum. Now, what should have been a pretty simple job to complete becomes pretty complicated by each one of the crew's personal history. And the haunted atmosphere of the asylum makes things even more complicated when one of the crew members discovers that, or he discovers these tapes from a former mental patient who has multiple personalities. So the movie is really, in my opinion, scary. You know, you get the side story of this girl on these tapes, and you're kind of listening to her set into madness. And then you also have the story of these, you know, crew workers and how this asylum that's kind of alive is starting to get to them, and they descend into madness as well. Ooh, sounds good. It is. You know, I have a lot of people that ask me, hey, what's a good horror movie? I want to watch something that's really going to get to me. And I never really recommend like Freddy's or the Jasons. You know, those are more for fans. But if you want a movie that's really going to get to you, then watch Session 9 because it's genuinely a frightening movie. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And um, what what does David Caruso play? What's his role in the whole film? He plays like one of the crew members, you know, in in the film. Um, he's just kind of like a sister. I don't really want to give too much away, but he's just creepy. He is so creepy just to even look at. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that is really creepy about this movie is the setting because it actually was filmed in Danvers State Mental Hospital in Massachusetts. So it was actually filmed in a real mental institution, no? It is a, it's in a real mental institute. And so it's like the scenery is really eerie. It's dark. Um, this movie is probably one of the few psychologically um, effective movies that I've ever seen. You know, I feel like it takes the audience on a wild ride through an abandoned mental asylum that really seems alive to its visitors. And it actually forces the audience to kind of figure out for themselves why things are happening to each character. Yeah, so it. it's pretty challenging. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love movies like that because it really makes you think and you're sitting there trying to figure out this puzzle and you're sitting there debating, is, is it this person or what's going on here or what's going on there? So, yeah, I love movies like that. Yeah, it's challenging. You know, it's thought provoking. And I feel like it relies mostly on real fear. So if you, you know, if you want to be drawn into a film or you want to be drawn into a place of fear, then session nine is like a therapy session of nightmares for you. <laughs> I definitely recommend watching it in the dark. Wow. Session nine. Okay. So yeah, we'll definitely check that out. And when did that one come out? Is this an older film or has this been like, recently you know, released? It came out, it came out in 2001. 2001. But okay. it never gets old. No, no, no. That's uh listen, I promise. <laughs> I, I t- totally, uh, you know, take your word for it. And uh, yeah, definitely look forward to checking out that movie session nine with David Caruso. So, all right. Well, that's uh, and um, if you were to rate this on a scale of one to 10, what would you give that one? Oh, wow. I would give this actually a nine. Wow. It is like psychologically um, really terrifying. Yeah. So nine skulls on the skull meter, huh? Nine schools. Yep, you got it. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Okay. Um, any other movies that you would uh, recommend that kind of uh, you know revolve around the asylum, haunted asylum, uh, maybe messed up asylum type of uh, uh, you know arena? Actually, I just watched Grave Encounters, and that movie is kind of scary too. <laughs> it kind of gets to you. It's um, it's about this reality like TV crew that does ghost hunting adventures, and they're completely phony you know you see them like they're staging things and they got like the fraud you know psychic with them and they go to spend the night in this mental asylum and they actually um it's actually haunted so they get terrified and the ending the ending is really clever and it doesn't go the way you think it's gonna go but um if you're into like found footage films I would definitely say check it out. Uh, watch this is another one to watch in the dark. Grave Encounters, um, right? You said Grave definitely Encounters. Definitely like, yeah. Mm, okay, so Grave Encounters is another one. One I will recommend, and um, I'm not sure if you've seen this movie or not, Gab, but Gothica with Holly Berry and um, oh, fuck, what is his name? He plays Iron Man. Jay, help me out here. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good film. It's a psychological type thriller. It's not really horror, but it is kind of, but not. But uh, I, I thought it was a, a pretty good uh, film uh, regarding a lady who ends up in a, a mental institution, which is Holly Berry, which is my uh, <clears throat> ex-wife in another life. Uh, but, uh, yeah, great film, and uh, definitely uh, recommend that one, too. Uh, 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 Will. Hey, shut your mouth. <laughs> Don't talk about my woman. All right? I'm going to cut uh, you. Uh, 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 <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, uh, I'll cut you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Gab, uh, any news in the horror genre field? What's going on? Actually, um, this is kind of interesting, but To Hell and Back, the Kane Hodder documentary, is uh, going to be open to a limited theatrical release on June 28th. Ooh. And then it's actually being, I know, right? <sighs> Yeah, I really thought that that was. Not, yeah, I know. I, I really thought that it was never going to make it to theaters, but I'm glad that it is. It is, and it's actually being released appropriately on Friday the 13th for uh, video on demand and DVD. And actually, on Friday the 13th, it's going to mark the 41st anniversary of Hotter's life changing accident. Yeah, well, he got so. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, he had a really terrible accident, burned alive, and uh, basically scarred him up for the rest of his life, and. 
spent a good year, I think, or two years just trying to rehab himself and uh, get himself back to normal. So, yeah, very interesting story. Uh, very interesting guy who played one of the most iconic, uh, you know, serial killers on on the screen. You know, of course, uh, uh, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th series and, uh, you know, did such a great job, you know, portraying him. Even though, yeah, you don't talk very much in in that role, but just the mannerisms and the way they did it, he just uh, commanded the screen and really uh, gave uh, that character just another kind of uh, attitude, which I loved. So, yeah, I'm very looking forward to uh, looking at that documentary. Anything else, Gab? Um, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, one thing, though, when I was reading about the documentary, I never realized he had such a fucked up childhood. I guess he was like really tormented and bullied, and they're touched on that in the documentary too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went through a lot, and um, I think we touched on that trailer maybe about 15 episodes ago uh, when the first trailer actually came out. Um, but yeah, just a very interesting individual and uh, had a hell of an upbringing. So, well, that's a, that's a wrap for uh, Gab's Horror Movie and Review. Oh, one other thing. Gab, uh, where can everybody find you um, on Instagram? I'm sorry. I forgot to uh, mention that. Uh, Gab's already dead. Gab's already dead. All right. Very good. Uh, and so we'll jump into the uh, main topic for tonight, which is the Haunted Asylum. So just stick around. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for uh, keeping in uh, the uh, podcast here, and uh, we're going to be jumping into the Haunted Asylum, so I'm going to jump in first here, head first, guys. Uh, number one on the list for me, um, I'm not sure if anybody has heard of Essex County Hospital Center. Um, has anybody heard about this place at all? I know I haven't. No, nobody. Okay. Well, it's a pretty interesting place. Um, now, you know, when we talk about these asylums, a lot of these asylums were built in, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, so they have a lot of um, a lot of history behind them. And there's a lot of things that happen that's been happening in these um, these asylums over the years. Unfortunately, because of when it happened, you have to remember that technology wasn't at its best at that point. Uh, we haven't gotten to that point of, you know, uh, you know, very good care 
uh, when it came to, you know, taking care of, uh, you know, patients in uh, mental institutions. You know, there was like lobotomies that were done, shock therapy, uh, things of that nature. So a lot of that energy kind of gets, you know, stuck into these places. I mean, I'm a believer in energy, and I believe that when something happens terribly in a place like that, um, I think a lot of that stuff sticks around. Uh, that energy just sticks around. And in Jersey, this uh, place, uh, Essex County Jail, uh, well, is actually called now it's, uh, the Overbrook Asylum, actually. Um, and it's uh, it's off limits. It's dangerous. Uh, it's got rotting basements. So it's basically one of those perfect you know, uh, ambiances of a haunted asylum. I mean, it's so dangerous that it's you can't even go in there. Uh, it's it's very very difficult. So, um, just to talk about a little bit of the history of this place, this uh, is a psychiatric hospital where the history inspired many ghost stories and tales of t- terror. And uh, beyond the electroshock therapy that I had talked about and the lobotomies, um, there was brutal treatments of the actual um you know patients there they were being abused they were not being checked on a lot of them died um just by neglect alone uh for instance in 1917 24 uh patients just froze to death because they weren't even being checked on so you have things like this that happen in um, this particular place that you know over the years it just continues to happen and just this bad energy just keeps just getting worse and worse and worse and um it's so this place is ginormous. I mean, we're talking about a six and a half acre, you know, you know, facility uh, with, you know, large wings and uh, large corridors. And that was by design um, by this uh, architect who, you know, who were, who was actually uh, putting these asylums together because he, de- you know, developed these asylums to actually, ha- you know, have more sunlight come in to help the patients. And so he designed the actual asylum to help that in, in that way. So. Um, a very sad uh, thing that's happened in this particular sign because over 150 patients disappeared um, during the World War II time as well. And a lot of people think that um, they died there um, because there was just no – there was no food that was available. And um, they believe that there's actually a mound of human bodies that actually sits in the middle of this place. So um, between all the people that's died in this asylum uh, from you know freezing and not being able to eat and famine and starvation. It's a very sad place. Um, a funny thing, though, just to let you guys know, they're actually turning this place down. And let me give you guys one guess what they're going to build over it. Just one guess. A playground. Nope. Close. Gab, what do you got? Um, I was going to say a school. No. Close. Uh, but no, they're actually building apartment buildings and condos. <laughs> So, if you'd like to live on a land uh, that uh, a lot of bad shit that happened on and um, in a condo, uh, this would be the place to be because uh, that's what they're planning on doing. Uh, They're going to rip this place up to uh, shreds here this year. Uh, It will no longer be available. And that's just because the place is just so in bad shape. Um, They just can't do anything with it anymore. It's just it's it's an eyesore. It's uninhabitable. And um, and it just can't do anything with it. So, the best thing to do is just knock it down. And build some apartment buildings on there. So um, let me ask this question. Which one of you two would actually live there? Gab, would you live there? Oh, hell yes, I would. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Jay? You really need to ask my, that question? No. I, I think you can answer for me. <laughs> I, I say hell to the no, 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 right? Exactly. Hell to the fuck. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, it's like that's like poltergeist, <laughs> but like 10 times squared. 
because now you're going to have all these apartments built yeah. on where all these dead bodies were and, and all these people were horribly neglected. And they do say that those who are who deal with the grips of, of reality and insanity tend to be more open to the other side, so they tend to manifest more and not always be benevolent. Uh, so now you take that and you put an apartment building above where they used to be, uh, and yeah, you got all kinds of crazy shit. And I want no part of that. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Um, <laughs> I could see that being like a shining kind of moment there, or a poltergeist moment there. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's that particular asylum. Uh, Jay, they're here. Exactly. I don't want to be there. <laughs> I don't want to be there. How about that, Jay? What do you have on the list? My first one uh, also actually comes from right in that area in, in New Jersey. Uh, it's the Greystone Asylum. Whereas a lot of their patients refer to it as the gravestone because kind of once you went in, you ain't come out. Oh, boy. Uh, there's actually some talks that Jack the Ripper uh, died in this place. It was, like you said with the other one, opened in the 1800s when the mental health care was not what it is today. Mental health wasn't really understood. Uh, so those people were um, experimented on. They were treated very poorly. Uh, in the early 1900s, they would actually, they had electroshock therapy rooms that would send them through. Uh, in the women's wing, they would uh, medicate them through their feminine hygiene products. I mean, if that doesn't sound like an awful time, I don't know what does. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a wonderful time, Jim. <laughs> you and I need to have a conversation, Will, about your particular appreciation for a quote-unquote good time. Now, yeah, I might want to go live in a haunted uh, <laughs> condominium, and that's, that's all on her. Okay, we're all fucked but up here. I'll speak for yourself, well, except for you. According, yeah, according to you, you're you're normal, <laughs> right? You're the normal one, Jake. Right? Whoa, whoa! Never said no. <laughs> never said normal. Never said normal. Let's just go ahead and say that my common sense meter always reaches normal. That's right. just me. There you go. Okay. That's just how I roll. All right. Uh, so this this gravestone or gravestone is again they they like to call it. Uh, dealt with a lot of people with uh, mental illnesses, um, a lot of dementia patients, um, but there was all kinds of rampant sexual abuse. Um, people would come up missing, families would go to, to uh, see their, their family members, and they would be gone. Uh, there's a lot of talk about demonic possession actually happening on, on the site, um, and it's this big castle-looking uh, building scary just to look at there's there's actually a lot of people who've been there to take pictures so that the second they got on the ground they could instantaneously feel themselves being watched by multiple sets of eyes that had dark intentions so there, there was all kinds of uh, stories of the orderlies and uh, people and people on staff raping a lot of the patients uh, and actually going to to jail for it um, and in fact there's so many that there was a film, since we've already done Cab's horror movie reviews, called Greystone Park. Uh, and it's inspired by a lot of the events is what's to happen inside Greystone. That came out back in uh, 2012. Wow, that's interesting. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, you know, and this is going to be the reoccurring theme in, in these asylums. You know, it, it's just the, the patient care, which is so horrible. And, and to the point where in this particular asylum, the the orderlies were raping the patients. I mean, that's just fucking crazy. And, you know, 
Of course, that was going to happen uh, back then because there was no way to track anything, number one. Number two, there's probably no family members coming to visit these mentally ill people um, because I'm sure if they got to that point where they were sent to an asylum, uh, there wasn't anybody coming to visit them at that point either. So what were they going to do? You know what I mean? That's just that's just a feeling of despair that's going to be left you know, in that place. So I could totally, you know, imagine what those people are feeling or that energy, uh, you know, that's left in that place. Um, uh, Gab, what do you have on your list? I actually chose uh, The Ridges, which is called the Athens Lunatic Asylum. I chose this because I live like an hour away from this place, and it's probably one of the most notorious mental hospitals in the state of Ohio. It's huge. You know, it was built to house 544 patients. But uh, in the early 1900s, it actually was housing over 2,000 patients. Damn. So, I mean, it was, it was overcrowded. Um, there has been rumors of, you know, abuse, um, chaining them up in the basements. Uh, they did a lot of, like, water treatment um, where the patients were, like, submerged in ice-cold water for extended periods of time. Um, sometimes they would wrap them up in sheets, which had been soaked in ice water and then restrained. They did a lot of shock therapy, a lot of lobotomies. I mean, they would do mass lobotomies at this place in like a day. It was, um, it was crazy. A lot of the patients, um, you know, have like carved things into windows sills. I think one of the most uh, famous uh, carvings was like, I'm not crazy or I was never really crazy. Um, it's supposed to be really, really haunted. The place has three cemeteries on the property. And what's creepy about it is there's no names. They're just numbers. And right. a lot of the records have been lost. Um, there's no telling, you know, who's been buried there or whatnot. Um, there's one section in the cemetery that is a circle of grains of gravestones and supposedly it's like a witch's circle i guess witches go there um and hold seances oh yeah and it's mm-hmm. um there's a tree on the lawn that apparently the city of athens used to hang criminals there like centuries ago whether or not the story is true it's supposed to be one of the most haunted spots on the ground But what's really interesting about this story, and this is a true story, on December 1st of 1978, there was a female patient there that went by the name of Margaret Schilling, and she had actually disappeared from one of the active wards. Now, it took a little over a month for them to actually think her body, but when they did, they found it in the abandoned uh, top floor of ward, I think it was ward number 20. And this ward had been um, closed down for years. It had been used for, like, the sick and infectious patients that they had. Mm. Um, This maintenance man had discovered the body in there. And when they discovered her, apparently she knew she was going to die. She took her clothes off, neatly folded them beside her, laid down in front of a window, and died. And when they found her body... It was so badly decomposed that it had turned into a goo that had like seeped into the cement. And to this day, there is a perfect outline. It's a stain of her body on the floor that oh. cannot be washed away. Oh. They have tried over and over again to wash it. I actually posted a picture of it on my I Instagram. Saw it. I saw it. I it's saw it. It's really creepy. 
Yeah, it's it's you're right. It's like the complete outline of a person, like completely like perfect. You're absolutely right. It's the creepiest looking photo ever. I mean, yeah, just to know that there was a body there, you know, just decomposing there at one point, just mind boggling. Yeah. And so apparently she like haunts the place. And of course, you know, all the other patients that had died in the hospital, they're rumored to wander around. Um, right now, uh, the Ohio State uh, University owns it. They took it over. At one point, the mental hospital was actually almost self-sufficient. They had orchards and farmland. They used all the patients to, like, take care of it. But then after years of the treatment and the psychotropic drugs that were given, the patients couldn't take care of it any longer. And, you know, it was going downhill. So now the university owns it, and there's, like, classrooms and stuff. There's a museum in there. And to this day, you know, a lot of the students have reported, like, gurneys, like the sound of gurneys going down the hallways, ton of shadow people, um, encounters, screams, you name it. Oh. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Probably not this week, but maybe next week <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to give it a little more time for that. But uh, I'd love to go up there and check that out with you. That'd be a definite road trip. I would love to go do something like that. I, I That would be one of the coolest things ever. But yeah, uh, that place I've heard a lot of stuff about. And that photo is so fucking creepy. Uh, if I if anybody has any kind of, uh, you know, inkling to know what I'm talking about or Gab's talking about, just go to Gab's uh, Instagram. Gab's already dead and you can see exactly what the heck she's talking about. It is very haunting photos. So uh, anything else on that asylum, Gab? No, just um, I can't wait to go. You should definitely come up. We'll go. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Definitely. Uh, Jay, what do you have on your list there? Well, my next one. Uh, has been referred to as the H.H. Richardson Complex. Uh, this one is in uh, Buffalo, New York. This is, it's known as one of the most haunted uh, hospitals. And not only all the, the state of New York, but in one of the countries, it's Buffalo State Asylum for the Insane. Man, they were insensitive with some of the names of their places back then. Oh, yeah, they were uh, very insensitive. <laughs> The H.H. H. Richardson Complex uh, was opened in 1895, uh, only a few years after its creator's uh, death, but his vision became realized. However, uh, they went unbelievably awry. Now, they, of course, did all the, the sexual abuse stuff that we've constantly talked about, the, uh, lobot- the lobotomies. They did all kinds of inhumane things, uh, but they also took it to quite a new level. Um, where they tried to cure patients with things like uh, they believe that strapping them down uh, with heavy straps and restraints would make them better. They would take insulin and give it to schizophrenic patients uh, to induce mind-opening comas. Think about that, mind-opening comas. Sounds like a Saturday night for me. Yeah. I don't think you need a coma, Will, to open your mind. No. Uh, I think I think all you need is those little Maui Wowies. You're yeah. good. <laughs> Some of those girls cook cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that Gorilla Glue. Well, what good stuff? You need a little, little off-bug spray? Yeah, no, no, no. No off-bug spray. Fuck that. I'm not a baser. <laughs> I am not a baser. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a fucked up place, Jay. It, it, it was crazy. It does. It looks like this ginormous castle. Uh, that was closed in the 70s due to the kind of uh, dilapidation that, is, that is, had 
come around it. Uh, no one's allowed to go on premises. It's, it's considered too dangerous. A group did break in, and the, one of the women that, that managed to get out said that it was like a snap of her fingers, and everybody else had vanished. Uh, and she was left alone trying to find her way out. The, the groundkeeping is completely uh, falling apart. Uh, they're talking about tearing it down. They're not sure what to do yet. Uh, it's currently protected um, as a national treasure. So nobody can tear it down. You really, they really are trying to have to work on what they're going to do with this thing. Um, but it is, it's scary to look at from the outside. And then once you get inside, uh, it doesn't get any better. And to know that there were people in there who were, they would also sterilize a lot of their patients. Oh, really? Sterilization? They would sterilization for having, for having, uh, bad or poor genes. And a lot of the patients actually died during the sterilization process. Wow. Wow. I mean, that, that's just f- fucked up. I mean, wh- whatever the mental health care, you know, protocol was at that time, it's just, it boggles my mind, but uh, just fucked up just to think about that. It was even happening to people, to humans that, you know, these were actual people, but uh, anything else on that place, Jay? No, that's it. It is crazy to think that these were actual people who, I mean, they might not have been as bad off as everybody around them thought, but, once you were labeled as that back then, everything had such a, a tremendous label. You didn't really leap beyond your box of, of societal positioning. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a shame that these people weren't looked at as people who were in desperate need of actual help and not guinea pigs to be abused. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Gab, what's, uh, what's next on your list? I did uh, the Beechworth Lunatic Asylum, which actually holds the title of the world's most haunted asylum. Really? I didn't know um, that. Was- it's located in Victoria. Yeah, this place is um, kind of crazy. It's located in Victoria, Australia. Uh, the hospital was founded back in 1867, and it's actually one of the largest in the country. I mean, it was built to house 1,200 patients, and it was still overcrowded. Wow. Um, in 1995, yeah, in 1995, the hospital was actually shut down. And they say that the trapped souls of over like 3,000 patients who died there during the 128 years that it was open are said to remain to this day. Ooh. Now, I kind of read different stories. Some say it was over 3,000, some say over 9,000 deaths occurred there. But just like the rest of the hospitals, you know, there was the lobotomies, the mistreatment. Um, you know, it's definitely very uh, haunted. A lot of times people have entered the building and they have been hit with like sudden bouts of sickness that doesn't clear up until they leave. Um, people have been reported being scratched and bitten while they were in there. Um, one of the most common ghosts that have been seen in the Lunatic Asylum is that of Matron Sharp. I guess she was this nurse who was said to be, like, uncharacteristically uh, kind to the patients for that era. Mm-hmm. So nurses have often reported seeing the matron's action um, next to patients who are due to have, like, electroshock treatments. Um, she's been seen next to, like, the dead patients um, or patients that have been really sick. Uh, as of today, I believe Latrobe University actually has taken over the asylum. Really? And she's now been seen like the dormitory area of the university's um, computer room or something like that. 
course. Uh, She's confused. The most haunted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> poor thing. She was in a the hospital most, um, her life, and now she's in a fucking college. You know, poor thing's confused. <laughs> um, the most uh, feared place out of this hospital is, I guess, the Gravilla wing of the asylum. It was the place where patients who were seen as difficult or beyond helping, they were taken there and put in straight jackets and restrained. This is a place where they did, like, all the shock treatments. Um, supposedly, I guess it's haunted by a ghost of one of the doctors who's there. And I guess his, like, just his presence when he's in the room will change the temperature. I seen some pictures online last night, and a couple of people have taken photos of this ghostly little girl uh-huh. who's in the hallways of the Grovilla Wing, and she's, like, playing with toys. It's actually kind of freaky. I think I'm going to post uh, it on my Instagram later. Please, please but, do. But um, I will. I mean, this is like where all of the torture happens. Um, so you can just imagine like the combination of like residual fear and pain. It's no wonder that it's one of the most feared, you know, areas of the asylum. But interesting, one of the most interesting things that I thought was kind of scary is there is supposedly a large black shadow that has been seen in every part of the building and it stalks the corridors. It's been known to stalk, you know, visitors in the hallways. Apparently it's like followed by the stench of human feces and it has glowing red eyes. So people are saying that it's demonic. And one of the most widespread rumors about Beechworth is that they actually practice necromancy and satanic rituals in the basement. A lot of the doctors were, like, conducting experiments on some of the patients and, you know, using them in these rituals. So it's no wonder, you know, when you think about, like, that kind of energy, it's it's going to attract darker things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is it really, yeah, is it really far-fetched that there's something demonic that's, um, you know, lurking around in the abandoned halls of the world's most haunted asylum? (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's no go for me. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that one. Anything else on that? Uh, no, I would totally stay the night there, though. Why? I wish I was in Australia right now. Why would you? A uh, big up to Australia. We have uh, listeners in Australia, by the way. Just a little sidebar note there. Uh, big up to those people over there in Australia. You know, we see you from over here. Thank you for uh, you know uh, supporting the show. But I I don't see why you why would you want to stay overnight there, Gab? I would love to do that and experience that. I don't know. I enjoy that thing. Yeah, I like, think... take me in the basement where they did necromancy and satanic <laughs> rituals. Let me start there. Oh, Jesus, Gab. Gab, just if you go to Australia, heads up. Not that I've been there. Uh, do not pick up any duck-billed platypi. I believe that's the plural for the platypus. Uh, they're one of the most poisonous mm-hmm. creatures on the planet. Best of luck. Oh, Jesus. Wow. And don't fight any kangaroos. Everything that's deadly is there. Yeah, that's a, a very deadly spot. There's a lot of things that'll get you that can kill you in Australia. It's 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 a crazy place, uh, and it's wonder why why they sent you know a lot of those uh, criminals from England uh, out of England to that island. I mean, because it really was an, a place where it's not very welcome. But uh, a hell of a story, and uh, yeah, definitely I want to do some more investigating on that place. Uh, maybe uh, talk to some people out there in Australia who know a little bit more about that place to give us some more insight. Um, well, I'm going to finish things off uh, for everybody tonight uh, with one of the most famous uh, sanatoriums in all of the United States, which is Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Now, 
This is located in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, it's probably one of the most famous uh, sanatoriums in all the world. Many uh, people believe uh, that it's actually the most haunted place on the earth. Uh, while the building is now primarily a tourist attraction with those with creepy, um, you know, predications like Gab here on the line who loves to do you know, ghost hunting and stuff like that. Um, it's It was originally used as a tuberculosis hospital in 1910 um, when it was established. It was actually uh, meant to place anywhere between 8,000 uh, people, eight to 10,000 people, but they say throughout the year, 63,000 people actually died there. Um, that's a lot of fucking people. So uh, by excruciating deaths um, as well, there was really no cure for TB. Um, at the time, until this medicine that was invented in 1943. Um, and then Waverly Hills itself was also the site of at least two suicides, which strangely took place in the same room. So there's obviously something going on in that particular room. Uh, but with all that suffering that's happened in that particular sanatorium, it's not surprising that the rumors of creepy doppelgangers, uh, ghostly children, demonic forces have all cropped up um, in this place. And it's uh, one of the most famous Kentucky ghost stories. And uh, the haunted Waverly Hills Sanatorium is known worldwide because of it. And um, the spooky stories like this can't be truly be proven, but they um, there are plenty of people who will swear to their lives that they that this things these things happen. And so I'm going to list a couple things that people have witnessed and, and, and talked about in this particular sanatorium. But uh, since this was a TB hospital, the actual treatments for TB at the time uh, were very brutal. Um, some of them were great, don't get me wrong, because you know at the time there was really no way to treat TB. The sanatorium would open its doors, uh, its windows uh, to let in air and sunshine and give the patients rest and good food. So that was the good part of the, the treatment. The bad part of the treatment, however, comes after. And as a last resort, uh, doctors would sometimes insert balloons into patients' lungs and manually fill them with air to help them breathe. Doctors would also remove ribs and muscle tissue to give the damaged lungs more room to expand. And these treatments were painful. Uh, they were highly ineffective and often fatal. And despite this, they were considered to be you know, the, one of the most advanced methods for treating TB at that time, which is just mind-boggling. So let's just say, yeah, let's remove a rib so they can breathe better. I mean, that's just – it doesn't make fucking sense. But anyways, um, just a couple of the things regarding this particular sanatorium. They actually had a body shoot for dead patients. So it was basically a shoot that they just threw bodies down and it just went all the way down. And we're talking about almost a half a mile long of this shoot. Um, and that would end up in this just area where just bodies and bodies would just be piled up and, uh, very, very crazy. And then there was this one particular room, which is a uh, room 502, which seemed to be a very, the very center for the disaster itself. Now, according to a local legend in 1928, the head nurse of room 502 was found hanging from a light fixture. Um, and this was believed to be a suicide um, triggered by depression and an unwanted pregnancy. But no one knows how long she hung there before somebody had found her. Now, about four years later, another nurse who worked in room 502 jumped off the roof of the patio uh, to her death. Uh, with no records exists to explain why she did this, and some uh, believe that she was pushed off the ledge. Uh, so again, uh, two deaths out of the same room. There's something uh, obviously um, wrong in that particular place. Now, um, another thing that the, some ghost hunters have, um, you know, experienced, they've actually um, experienced the smell of baking bread in the abandoned kitchen. So a lot of that energy is still there. And um, you have residual energy, which is the, resi uh, the type of energy that kind of uh, plays itself like a recorder over and over throughout time. Um, so you'll have these things that, uh, you know, pop up like, you know, the smell of baking bread, because that's exactly what they did there for, you know, 
almost 100 years. So um, another thing that's happening at Waverly, uh, tourist experience, they have like a tourist uh, ghost hunting thing there too. Uh, right now, that's the main thing that they do at this particular place. It's uh, uh, a tour that they do uh, that goes throughout the whole uh, acreage of the, the property, which happens to be 666 acres of property, ominously um, noted. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, they do that there too. There's also a, uh, a site of a supposed bleeding ghost in chains that haunts the hospital. Uh, one of the saddest ghost stories is that of an elderly woman who supposedly roams the hospital, moaning and bleeding from her chained hands and feet. They'll, you know, she goes up and down the halls crying for help. When outsiders approach her, she runs away screaming in terror. It's uh, another, you know, example of you know energy that's trapped itself um, in a in a very horrible place. Another ghost that's um, well known in that particular asylum is also Timmy. Uh, Timmy is a ghost of a, a little boy around six or seven years old when he died in the hospital. Um, since he died with basically his whole life ahead of him, his spirit can't move on. So he's kind of stuck to just like a lot of those other people. And he wanders the hospital trying to have fun. And visitors often bring balls for him to play with and, you know, bring toys and, and candy. Uh, and many of them, you know, claim they see the actual toys moving uh, on their own. And, um, you know, even skeptics, you know, sit there and they look at these things just moving and they just can't believe what they see. Um, but there's also another, um, you know, very ominous uh, entity, which is a grim presence called the Creeper. Now, if you ever felt like an overwhelming feeling of doom and you can't explain, um, that's the Creeper in this place. Uh, the Creeper is a dark, terrifying entity that crawls along the floors and the walls of Waverly Hills. Some believe it's an otherworldly spirit or demonic force, while some uh, believe that it's a human spirit that has been twisted by the trauma of the TB death. Now, whether it's true or not, um, the nature of the encounter is just, you know, unbelievable. And, um, you know, if you were ever were to encounter something like this, I'm sure uh, it won't be pleasant. Um, another thing that they've um, witnessed uh, that happens in this particular place is doppelgangers. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with doppelgangers, but doppelgangers are known as double walkers. And they're a type of spirit that can mimic the appearance and voice and mannerisms of anyone or anything that it encounters. Um, it could mean just like looking across the room and seeing the exact replica of yourself or watching what appears to be your sister uh, strangling a cat uh, or even, you know, even though she might like cats, you know what I mean? Just weird shit like that. Um, and tour guides at Waverly Hills have reported seeing doppelgangers of themselves and others. And in some cases, the doppelgangers were almost identical, except for black holes where their eyes should be. So uh, there's just a plethora of just different things that are happening in this particular hotel. I mean, I'm sorry, sanatorium. And, um, you know, when you have 63,000, over 63,000 people that have died in one place, um, it's bound to be haunted. I'm sorry. I'm definitely going. Look, I've already map quested my route. I'm like three hours away from this place, 250 miles. Are you serious I'm right there. now? <laughs> yeah. It's known I, as I have. It's known as the world's most haunted place. I mean, if there's any place that I mean, that's that's supposed to be it, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm we, definitely yeah, going. If there's any listeners there. from uh, Kentucky, yeah, hit me up on Instagram. I'm coming down. <laughs> Jay, what were you going to say? I said Gab could do a. Uh, like an on-site report from there. On give location. Us, give us the 411. Absolutely. On location. Site. Oh, yeah. 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 There we go. See, Jay. Yeah, I'll do like Instagram live from like uh, the bowels of hell there. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Gab here calling, uh, Instagramming from the balls of hell. There we go. Uh, but yeah, this place is completely crazy. Yeah, 
It's uh, it's been featured on Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, all those ghost you know uh, hunting shows. Uh, they've always caught so much evidence every time they go there. I, I believe the Ghost Hunters guys they've caught a full bodied apparition there. Um, I know the Ghost Adventures caught something on a FLIR camera where they showed um, it looked like a um, an outline of a person um because of the uh the the heat signature that it gave out. Um, so it's a yeah, highly highly haunted place and wanted to leave that one for the end, uh, the best for last and. Uh, yeah, uh, listen, again, 63,000 people died there. That's not something to scoff at. And, um, again, uh, that brings a conclusion to the haunted asylums for uh, us here at Dark Fringe Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we're going to be jumping into our next section uh, with Jay for What to Watch. Jay, what do you have on store for us for What to Watch? I actually have two different movies for What to Watch. The kind of major throwback, but kind of in preparation of uh, the first one is Super Troopers, which came out all the way back in 2001. It's a classic. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. There's a bajillion one-liners in it. Uh, it's kind of a low-budget film. The uh, the crew that got together and wrote it, it's all the friends that actually star in it. They're basically five state troopers who are in serious danger of having their station closed, but that doesn't stop them from having a great, great time. Um, you have a couple cameos from big, bigger stars in it, um, but it's just a good old-fashioned laugh-fest. That same crew also made another movie I'm going to suggest you guys go check out called Beer Fest. Very similar. They play a bunch of basic drinkers. Uh, they somehow get into a... Uh, a drink contest with the German drinking team. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. It's a great film. Funny as fuck. It's a, it's a great film. And the reason why I bring that up is uh, on April 20th, it's only a few days away, Super Troopers 2 comes out. It looks great. I'm super pumped. I'll be going to see it next weekend. Um, but in preparation, I figured those were two good things to watch. If you haven't watched them or if you have and it's been a while, Go back, rewatch them. I watched Super Troopers last night. It makes me laugh just as much as the first time. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, so, uh, Jay, let's finish this off and uh, put a bow on it. And, uh, of course, who is the Dick of the Week this week, Jay? The Dick of the Week this week is none other than the man who thinks that he has created all and everything. He calls himself King LeBron. Excuse me, who? King James. LeBron James. Oh, LeBron James. LeBron James. (laughs) Don't be talking shit about LeBron James. You know, Gab's on the line. She's from Ohio. LeBron James is the biggest (laughs) jerk. And I don't mean that in actual, like, genetic terms. I mean, he is the biggest crybaby, whiny son of a bitch who just thinks that everybody owes him because he's one of the greatest basketball players to ever play. Not the greatest. I don't even call him in the top three. Yeah, he's up but he, there. He's gifted. He works hard, but the shit he does, and he currently is feuding with Nick Saban, who no love lost for Nick Saban. Nick Saban's a douche too. Let's not. I'm not. I'm not splitting hairs between these two. Yeah, that's true. But uh, Nick Saban and uh, Julio Jones did kind of a, a little snippet um, where they're in a barber shop. Uh, just just having a conversation. They were just, you know, kind of going back and forth, talking about, you know, concerns today and, and things that, that they see. 
Uh, it was called Shop Talk. And that's all well and good. It, it, I don't know if you go to a barbershop, Will. I go to a barbershop. It's more than just a great haircut and a shave. It's a lot of camaraderie. It's, there's a lot of conversation going on. There's music. It's a great atmosphere uh, to get your manscaping on. Mixtapes. Uh, yeah. Illegal material. Yeah, all that stuff at the, at the barbershop. Go ahead. Absolutely. It's a great, it's a great time. But LeBron James uh, and the Uninterrupted put out uh, something called The Shop, which is basically the same thing. They're in a barbershop. Uh, LeBron James has different stars, uh, comedians, athletes come out, and they convert, and then they have conversations while they're getting their hair cut and whatnot. So The Shop with Nick Saban, it was basically the same thing, but Nick Saban had never seen it uh, and, and didn't realize that that was happening. It was just to do something kind of fun, goofy, which is rare for Nick Saban. Uh, and, of course, LeBron James comes out and says, I respect him as a coach, but I'll be damned if I allow someone to use our platform and try to do the same thing that we're doing. I just think that that's, a, that's not okay, and the lawyers will figure it out. Oh, I mean, he thinks he invented fucking barbershop. Yeah, listen, uh, yeah, it, this happens all the time. And uh, unfortunately, again, he's on the always on. He seems to be always on the wrong side of these arguments. It doesn't, you know, paint him in a favorable light. Unfortunately, so um, yeah, I, I could see why you know you would you know see the, he's the dick of the week. Definitely, he is absolutely the dick of the week. And sidebar, just a note: I'm a Heat fan, and if he comes back to the Heat, which I believe I think he will, uh, <laughs> I'm still not going to root for his ass. You That's think, just me. You think he's going to leave Ohio again like that? Leave those people hanging for a second time? Dude, he is so done in Ohio. He is so done with Ohio. Uh, I, it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's so sad because, you know what, Cleveland, you know, they are a quintessential sports town. That's Cleveland is. I mean, you have, you know, you have the Indians there. You have the Cavaliers there. Um, you know, the Browns. The Browns. Yeah, they're they're not so great. They never really have been that great, unfortunately. But you know, you know, still. Well, no. But if you look, Cleveland has been not just a quintessential town for sports, but it's been a quintessential town for loser franchises. The Browns haven't been good since Jim Brown in the '60s. They had a, a small sliver of time in the early '80s with the cardiac kids, but after that, they haven't done shit. Except for when the Browns actually moved, became the Ravens, and won the Super Bowl, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the Cavaliers sucked until they got LeBron James his first go round. His first go round, it was just LeBron James somehow willing them into the playoffs. Uh, he left, comes down to Miami to hook up with his buddies. They win a couple championships. They make it to four finals straight. He says, "You know what? Now I know what to do. I'm gonna scoot over here and do it for Ohio." Great storyline. That. You know, very philanthropic of him. Uh, but LeBron James does everything for one reason. He does it for LeBron James, and he does it to continue to create a foothold of uh, power and class. Uh, but I believe his end is coming in Ohio because he's been to a ceiling there where, again, he's looking around for them to surround him with people and they're not doing it the way he wants, and I almost will guarantee he'll be back down here because you know who's down here? Wait, Wade is down here. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, that's his buddy. Home bros. Yeah, that's his buddy. 
Well, listen, uh, that's a great pick for Dick of the Week. Uh, that's uh, well fitting, and unfortunately, you know, I feel bad for the people of Ohio, man. They just have to deal with all that craziness there. But, anyways, um, that's a wrap for this week, guys. Again, I want to remind everybody for the social media: if you can uh, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, give a share, like to all that information, pass it around, give bread the word, tell everybody about us. And uh, we're going to be bringing some more guests here in the future. Uh, I have a couple of guests here uh, lined up, and um, I know Gab's been uh, working on that as well. So I appreciate that. And, uh, again, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or anything, please send it over to thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Anything else for you guys tonight? Uh, no. no, just uh, keep an eye around the corners, pay attention to the shadows. And if you know somebody who really is battling mental illness, do anything you can to show them the kind of uh, support and love they need and give them the kind of space that they might might, uh, might deserve. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Gab, anything else for you tonight? Nope, that's it. Okay, and where can everybody find you, Gab, on Instagram one more time? Gab's already dead. Beautiful. All right, well, listen, that's a wrap for this week. I'm Will Martinez for Jake Losey and Gab. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll check you out next week.
happen in there, that's all. Old man's crazy as a rat in a tin shit house is what. Oh, hey, well, that's enough out of you. I already had you sitting in your pants. Fuck you. Don't you knock it off? Brooks ain't no bug. It's just... It's just institutionalized. Institutionalized my ass. The man's been in here 50 years, Hayward. 50 years. This is all he knows. In here, he's an important man. He's an educated man. Outside, he's nothing. Just a used-up con with arthritis in both hands. Probably couldn't get a library card if you tried. You know what I'm trying to say? Fred, I do believe you're talking out of your ass. You believe whatever you want, Floyd. But I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. Shit. You can never get like that. Oh, yeah? Say that when you've been here as long as Brooks has. Goddamn right. They send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. The part that counts, anyway. <laughs>